And let's open our Bibles tonight to uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1. And uh, let's read through verse 8. Uh, this is an amazing uh, passage about the history of Israel, also, and how God deals with His people, and how God deals with us today. And we need to take courage from this and uh, comfort. Amen. All right, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. <clears throat> every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, Cry, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So this is a messianic prophecy about John the Baptist uh, crying out, preparing the way of the Lord, and then the, the uh, first coming of Christ in his earthly ministry. So let's look what it says there. It's a well-known verse. Look at verse 1. Comfort ye... Comfort ye my people, saith your God. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that we'd have the right spirit, uh, uplifting, encouraging, comforting. Help us to have the right mindset and to gird up the loins of our mind. Help us to understand uh, what to think about, what not to think about. Help us to see your plan and your will your work in our life, and help us to understand uh, that when Christ came, uh, He came with the spirit of meekness and lowliness, and He came for salvation and for mercy and forgiveness and uh, compassion. Help us to comfort the people. And we yield to your spirit that we'd understand it and see it, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Comfort ye my people. That's what God commanded um, Isaiah. And this is leading into the part that's very important as it pertains to the uh, earthly ministry of Christ. So I want to give you the background of this text, what has happened recently, historically, um, in Israel, the people of God that led up to uh, this prophecy and uh, this passage. Often we need to be reminded of the great heart of God and how much He really loves us, how much He cares. And uh, 
I haven't thought about this in a while, but whatever you want or need in life, God wants it more than you do. You ever thought about that? Whatever you need right now in your life, God wants you to have it more than you do. But there's a lot of things that we must consider in timing, in the will of God, and uh, the plan of God. So there's always cycles, phases, and in times of failure or attack we're, or battle, as it mentions here, we're going to have great sorrow. We will have maybe guilt, possibly shame. There might even be uh, regret or remorse and ultimately repentance from sin. And so during these low times, difficult times, trying times, we might think we've blown it. The joy is gone. Maybe the zeal is gone for a while. Conviction is gone. Maybe God has gotten angry for a period of time. Maybe we don't necessarily feel His love like we once did. And so the temptation arises that I call it, uh, we get stuck. We get stuck maybe in a low time or in a downtime in a cycle of life or even our walk with God. And sometimes this is self-imposed. We brought it on ourselves. Sometimes this is an attack. It could be a spirit of uh, evil or depression, oppression. Uh, and so we need to see clearly and, and think clearly in what's going on in our life. And uh, sometimes you may think you're insignificant. Why should I try? What difference could I make? We've all felt that way. Uh, sometimes in soul winning, you go out, you try to give the gospels, preach the good news, and it's like, man, I just don't know if I have what it takes. You know, it's, it's sometimes a battle, uh, and the Bible says there are people that oppose themselves. God wants to grant them repentance and faith uh, so that they can peradventure, the Bible says, deliver themselves from what is about to come upon them. Uh, so we get down sometimes. We get stuck. And uh, I've noticed a lot of times lately, and I'll just say this in passing. Some of you will kind of relate. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So when a spirit comes, maybe it uh, could be anger. Maybe it's uh, sadness. Maybe it's gloom. Maybe it's... Uh, sorrow, maybe grief, maybe these types of things that come up and they attack you in the chest. And if you don't let go of that, you're going to get stuck. And it's going to become overbearing, oppressing in your life. That gloom and depression, sorrow, anxiety, could be fear, worry, that will turn into dread. We need to learn to move on. And so God is, is telling us as He's dealing with Israel, you've been brought very low. You deserved it. You brought it on yourself. It's time for me to comfort you. 
It's time to be lifted up. It's time to uh, sing the praises of God, shout glory for a while, say amen, and uh, let's have a, a breakthrough and not just sit there and get stuck in uh, whatever situation it is. You know, oppression, gloom, sadness, grief, um, attack. We can all feel it. And with the spirit of Antichrist moving, if you focus on that too much, it's very, very, uh, very negative. And so we, we need to know the issues, but move on. So think about what's going on in the history of Israel when this was written. Isaiah is preaching, prophesying of the coming Messiah. John the Baptist would prepare the way of the Lord. Both of the kingdoms uh, in, in Israel, the north and the south, were in sin. Deep sin, that that sin had to run its course. Now, I want us to understand something about life. Once something is set in motion, it has to run its course. You can't just, and it's over. You can't just pray, and sometimes God works a miracle and changes everything instantly. But a good example of that is when it said the sin of the Amorites is not yet come to the full. Once it was set in order, there was a time that had to be fulfilled for things to change. Right now, Jerusalem is still under the times of the Gentiles. Israel does not fully control the promised land. And so right now we're hopefully leaving uh, winter. We're going to hopefully we'll get a spring. You know, like they say, uh, what is it in Texas? You have winter and some, well, no, Christmas and summer. Yeah, maybe we'll get something this year. Who knows? Uh, we need to pray for rain. But Israel has been going through this, had to run its course. You think of what they did, and I'll explain some of it. You know, they were still in the tithe, violating the Sabbath, worshiping idols, letting foreign countries into their land and showing them the riches of the treasure house, sinning against God, taking advantage of the orphan and the, and the widows, the poor, horrible things, atrocities, which they had committed. And even the kings were leading the way. So Ahaz, foolishly, he looks not to the Lord to protect him. He turns to Assyria to make a league with the enemies of God for protection. What a horrible thing. He wouldn't listen to the prophet. He wouldn't listen to God's man, Isaiah. He had warned Assyria would invade from the north. This happened in 721 B.C. Hezekiah's son, he feared God. I mean, I'm sorry, Hezekiah after Ahaz. He leads in a revival. Now look, look what happened, and this is important because we are not to yoke up with unbelievers. You are not to get in a partnership with the lost or worldly people to try to protect you or provide for you, this makes God very angry. He wants us to separate from the world 
be true to Him, trust only in Him to provide for us His way and His timing. So Ahab led them into an unequal yoke. We are not to yoke up with unbelievers. They yoked up with the Assyrians. Then what happened? He had a son, Hezekiah, who was uh, godly, feared the Lord. He reinstituted godliness in uh, many ways. But he inherited the sin of his father and did not repent of it. And so he did just what his father did, except he went to the south. His dad went up to the north. He made a league with the Egyptians for protection from the king of the north, the Assyrians, Sennacherib, and who and what does Egypt represent? We know that Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. He puts God's people in bitter, hard bondage. He puts them under a quota of a tail of bricks a day, uh, abuses God's people. So even though Hezekiah led in a revival, he still yoked up with the world. So you know what happened, most of you. The Assyrians came. They taunted. They tormented. They harassed. They oppressed Israel. They end up invading the land, besieging Jerusalem, the city of peace. They build bulwarks all around it, try to cut off their source of uh, water and sustenance. And then they threaten complete annihilation, genocide, mock the things of God, belittle the people of God, and hurl railing accusations against them. Don't trust in the God, Jehovah. He could not protect you. We have defeated every nation we have invaded. This is vain for you to trust in the Lord. Just open the gates, surrender, come out, and we will lord over you. Hezekiah doesn't do that. You know what he did. They found the lower water course. They built in the, they found the spring of Gihon under there. And let Brother Horgesheimer tell you about it. He might have taken great pictures. Mine got stolen. Sad to say somebody, uh, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But uh, the, this, this spring that's uh, underground and it comes inside the city, he leads in a revival. He leads... Let's stand up. Don't listen to what they say. Don't believe it. God is a King of kings, Lord of lords. He will protect us. So the Lord miraculously sends His angel to fight for Israel. And I love this story. He kills one angel, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Just smites them dead. You know, remember, we're not alone. Right. We can't see it. It's very difficult trying. When God speaks, it's going to happen. We need to ask God to send reinforcements from heaven. Amen. All the soldiers die. Sennacherib, with his bodyguards, his special forces, what was the Saddam Hussein's, the elite guard or whatever it was, with all their great Russian T-72 tanks, which we obliterated. They go back 
And uh, he then is turned on by his own family. And two of his sons assassinate him when he's in the temple worshiping his gods that were supposed to give him victory over the God of Israel, total judgment falls on the Assyrians. You know, if somebody's after you and persecuting you, just let God do the work. Don't take matters into your own hands. God's going to do the work in His time. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. But then something horrible happens. Hezekiah is sick unto death. Now, I don't know if you've had a close scrape with death. I don't know if you've ever thought this could be it. I thought I was going to die. I don't talk about it much. I was very sick. I had organ failure and uh, went on for a long time. Nobody could help me. And uh, finally, the Lord uh, saved me and healed me and uh, totally changed my life, by the way. But if you've ever had what they call a close call, or a close encounter. Hezekiah is sick. No, he's going to die. And the prophet comes to him. He's on his deathbed. And he says, set thine house in order. You better get your will. Who are you going to give your estate to? Get everything right financially. Get the structure of your family right. Who is going to inherit the throne? This is your deathbed. You're going to die. He walks out, the man of God. God has mercy on Hezekiah. He prays. He weeps. You know what he does? I love it. He sets his face toward the wall. You know, some of us need to learn to seek God and quit turning to people and calling your family and the doctor. I mean, they can't save you. This is between me and God and you and God. He humbles himself, and I love what it says. He weeps, weeping, begging, shedding of tears. And God has mercy, sends the prophet back in. He says, I'm giving you 15 more years to live. God has mercy on the king. But then you know what happens? He does it again. You know, this three strikes you're out. He does it again. His dad made a league with uh, Assyrians in the north. He's already unequally yoked up with the Egyptians from the south. God was going to kill him. God has mercy, grants more years to his life. He allows a, a Babylonian ambassador, the embassy, to come, and he shows them all the riches in his house. Now, you shouldn't do that to the heathen. And uh, God's so mad. He said, because you did this. The Babylonians are going to invade. They're going to steal everything you just showed them. You were glorying in your own accomplishments, your own attainments. Look what you've done. 
and uh, you never bring in the heathen. That's why you don't cast your pearls before swine. They're going to turn and rend you underfoot. That's why after two admonitions, you reject the heretics. He didn't listen. He let them in to the temple. He let them in to the king's treasure house. Now, that was prophetic. It was going to come later on. But now, everything has cycled, right? Everything's run its course. The sin, the idolatry, the rebellion, the judgment, the sorrow, the shame. Israel is at an all-time low. But the good news is, God will not leave us there. What does he say? Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. No longer speak judgment to Jerusalem. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and, and cry unto her. Your warfare is accomplished. You're not going to have to fight anymore. I fought for you. Your iniquity is pardoned. I have forgiven your sin. And he said, you have received double for all the things which you have committed. And uh, I learned a long time ago, when something happens to me and I don't know why, I just usually think I deserve it. You know, well, what have I done? Well, what did you not do? <laughs> uh, you know, we've, we've all sinned against God. We deserve way more than we've gotten. But it runs its course. Financial trouble, maybe health problems, maybe relationship problems, difficulty, oppression, attack, uh, going out into the world for a while, whatever's happened to us. It's run its course. And so we need to understand this. We need to comfort one another. We need to speak with comfort. We need to uplift each other. You know the old saying, most good old Baptists, you know what they're best at? Kicking you while you're down. <laughs> and, you know, you're down, you're trying to get up. Hey, wait a minute, you haven't been down there long enough. They want to kick you more. The old saying, put the boots to them. Our God is a forgiving God, a loving God, a compassionate God, a God of the second chance to the nth degree. We, we don't need to be belittled. We do not need more embarrassment. We do not need to be criticized or railed upon. We need to be comforted and console one another. And once we receive this from the Lord, everything runs its course. No more grief, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more anxiety, no more stress. Move on, let it go. So I want to remind you of just a few things. God is a God of love, but that's not His primary nature. The primary characteristic about God is that He is holy. And because God is holy, God must judge sin, even though God is also love, and He loves us, but His holiness dictates He must take measure because of sin. 
Sin brings suffering, but the love of God will comfort us. So the old saying, let the Word of God rip you, and then let the Word of God repair you. You can shout or pout. You know, you can get better or bitter. The choice is yours. Uh, but we've all been uh, ripped. I mean, if you haven't, you haven't been around God because He's a holy God. If you can't read this book without getting under conviction, you have a seared conscience and a hard heart. So, uh, you know, we ought to get something going like that. I've told it in the past, but Hiles Anderson in the chapel, anytime something would go wrong, this guy named Ralph did something wrong one time. And uh, so it became a kind of an inside joke. If anything went wrong, Ralph did it. What's that guy from World War II? Where Elroy. Have you ever seen those cartoons where he's looking over the deal in his nose? Elroy, Brother Armstrong, he gave I still have it, a little cartoon from World War II. Uh, so if something goes wrong, Elroy, it's Elroy's fault. Uh, so when, whenever something would happen, they'd say, Ralph! You know, the light went out. Ralph did it. You know, it's kind of fun because everybody would start yelling Ralph. It was just like a uh, inside joke, but we need to, to get excited and be happy. We've all been through hard times. We've been tried by fire, and I'm not saying it's over, but what we need to do is, is let God comfort us. Amen. Comfort. What did He say? You fought the battle. You paid for your sin. I've forgiven you. You are accepted in the Beloved. Shout a while. Smile. Your face won't crack. Have a good attitude. We're on the winning side. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And things run the course. So I want to remind you of something. If you don't want a course to run, don't start it. So the, the solemn warning, don't Yoke up with the Assyrians. Don't go down to Egypt and play around in the world. It will always cost you more than you want to pay and keep you longer than you want to stay. It will always deceive you, and you can't get out just like that. It's got to run its course. Don't do it. I'm begging you, don't do it. It's not worth it. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Seems right. But the end thereof are what? The ways of death. These are the people laughing on the outside, crying on the inside, till it, their heart discovers itself. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. If you don't want to start that course don't get on it now if somebody tells you the bridge is out you don't need to go down there for yourself and see you don't need to you don't need to shoot up heroin to know it's it's wicked you don't need to do these things and experiment to know it's wrong 
Be not deceived, for God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Your sin will find you out. I always realize, hmm, I probably deserve, I don't know what it is right now. I deserve this. And then I think, boy, I'm getting off easy. I deserve a lot worse than this. So, don't go down that road. Don't do it. It's not worth it. So then what's going to happen as it runs its course? There's going to be wailing, lamenting, suffering, weeping for what we've done. You know, some of you are thinking about going down that road. There's still time. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just turn around. Now, the good news is this. If you do go down that road, we're here for you. And that's what a Bible church is and a true ministry. We beg people, don't do it. We tell them, don't go down to Egypt. But if you do, we love you, we care for you, we're here for you. And uh, when it runs its course, you're going to have to pay. I'm not, I'm, that's the honest reality. But when it's all over, we're here to comfort you. We're here. Uh, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If my own father and mother forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. There's always that uh, whispering hope. Come home. You know, we sing the song. Come home, come home. Won't you come? He loves you. He's calling you home. How many lives have been crashed on the rocks of sin? How many dreams and air castles have been destroyed of foolish fantasies that somehow they're going to find what they're looking for? And, you know, recently somebody was telling me something, and remember in the old days you'd say, well... I hope you find what you're looking for. And no, I don't. You're not going to find it out there. You're not going to find it in Egypt. And then sometimes we'll make that statement, I hope you're happy. Really? I know, I know what we mean when we say that. No, I hope you come back. I hope you realize what you've done, the atrocities which you have committed. You know, think about it. There's people... Starting to go down that road. They don't know what's in, what they're in for. They're about to get it. They're about to get it. And I'm warning them. But it's got to run its course. Now, the old saying, and a guy told me this recent, last week. He said, I think I finally hit rock bottom. And I said, really? No. Here's a pickaxe and shovel. You need to dig deeper. You're not anywhere close to the bottom, based on what he told me. And he went, what? I said, you're not at the bottom yet. I know. Did he show up today? No, he's not at the bottom. 
He's wanting a way out, an easy solution. But we're here, the good news. You know, love lifted me. I am constrained by the love of Christ. All the used tos and the has beens that know Facebook better than their Bible, it's a disgrace. That know a remote control that works a one eyed idiot, the Cyclops of the Hellavision, more than the eternal Word of God. It's a shame. Yet they call themselves a Christian and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now here's the good news. We don't give up on anybody. But here's the sad part. It has to run its course. And here's the sadder part. When the course is over, you know what a lot of them do? They just do it right again. Look what happened. So Ahaz went to Assyria, yoked up with unbelievers. God got Samad, he sent the Assyrians to invade. Hezekiah brings revival, but what does he do? He does the same thing. Went down to Egypt and yoked up with the Egyptians. Where is Israel right now as we sit here? being attacked within their own borders by people they allowed to live there. It's really sad. And you say, well, if I was Israel, I wouldn't do that. Well, what is in thine house? What is in your stupid phone and wicked books and magazine? What's in your heart and in your mind? Uh, you know, a lot of people, Israel, hey, we're the people of God. What, what's in your life? What's on your television. So, what are we told to do? And I love this. Comfort each other. Comfort ye my people. There's a warning, and boy, it's scary. The word of the Lord is against thee. And you can just say that. I'm not against you. I wish no evil. But the word of the Lord is against thee. But you know the good news? He'll pardon, he'll forgive, he'll cleanse, he'll offer restoration, reconciliation. What did Jesus say? I'm going to my Father, but I will not leave you what? Comfortless. The Comforter has come. You know, a lot of people live a lot of Bible. You know what their comforter is? They're at home right now taking a nap on the couch, or they're in the, they got that comforter pulled up and the AC's on, the fan's on high. The comforter has come. They love that other verse too I buffet my body daily. It's, they, they really, and they love that one, come and dine. Uh, there's a lot of them. Uh, everybody lives some Bible. Holy Spirit is what? The comforter. Comforter. Yeah, you're not glorified yet, but God wants to comfort you. Acts 9.31, the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Romans 15.4, patience and comfort of the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 1.3, He is the God of all comfort. 
2 Corinthians 13, 11, be perfect and of good comfort. Ephesians 6, 22, that he may comfort your hearts. 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, to comfort you concerning your faith. So the path is straight and narrow. Don't get off of it. Don't get on the wrong path. Don't turn to the right hand or to the left. But if you do, and all those people out there, sad to say, and we say they've gone astray, they've lost their way. Aren't you glad God is the God of all comfort? And He receives us. And you know what that word means? It's an invitation to solace. He wants to solace us, bless us, befriend us, heal us, give us peace, calmness, restoration. You know what's said? Why did God have to put that in the Bible so much? Because God's people, sad to say, they don't know how to apply the ministry of comfort. And the ministry of comfort is the Holy Spirit is in you. He wants to comfort you. But if you're thinking about the wrong thing, you're negative, and you're focusing on the enemy or the battle you're fighting or the troubles in your life, it's going to be overwhelming, and you could get stuck. We need to comfort one another. We need to accept the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We need to let the God of all comfort comfort us. You know, the old saying, somebody always has it worse. You know, my glasses, I need new prescription glasses. I just can't see like I used to. And then you heard about that person that was completely blind. Your shoes are too tight. They don't fit anymore. They hurt your feet. Well, you think about an amputee that doesn't have a foot. Always somebody has it worse than we do. You think you're depressed? What about somebody totally destitute, a street person living under a bridge or a shopping cart? And there's all over America right now as we speak. You know, my car just doesn't work like it's supposed to. Hey, look at all the people who have to walk wherever they go. Somebody always has it worse. And so what we need to remind each other, and I'm just, I'm through, but, you know, it's going to be all right. I don't know how. It's going to be okay, right? It's going to get better. Weeping may come in the night. Joy or endure for the night. Joy cometh in the morning. God's going to heal us. Joy's going to return. You'll feel better. It's going to get good. Not only that, it's going to get great. We need to comfort one another. He is the great physician that heals all of our sicknesses and diseases. Victory is ours. Praise the Lord. God's going to show up. In the nick of time when it cycles and has run its course, and it doesn't matter what you've been through and if you brought it on yourself or not, God is the God of all comfort. And uh, aren't you glad 
He's the God of solace. He wants to make you feel as good as you ever have. Amen. So, we're on the winning side. All right. So, we've all been through rough times. It's going to get better. Hang in there. Don't quit. God's going to bless. Hang in there. Things are going to change. It's going to run its course. Hold your head up high. Comfort one another. Don't look at the negative. Look at the positive. Look at the opportunity of the potential that the problem has availed that God's going to show up. Now, in this is the prophecy of John the Baptist is the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Right after they got invaded, right after they got totally attacked and mocked and ridiculed and made fun of, God always shows up at the right time. But sometimes we got to sit there and take it. You know, so my, I'm through. My dad used to tell me, boy, I'm going to have to whoop you a bit. And uh, he'd always say, it's going to hurt me more than hurt you. I said, yeah, right. And then he'd say, don't put your hand back there. You just let me do some whooping, and it'll be over before you know it. And if you start crying, I'm not going to, that ain't going to change anything. Oh, please, no, please. No, you're going to get it worse. And, uh, and then he'd put his belt back on. You just sit there and you think about what you did. And then he'd walk out. And then after a while, he'd go, hey, I love you. But you got to take it. And uh, then he would comfort me. I love you. You're my son. All right. Aren't you glad he's a God of comfort? All right. Let's pray.